Hey gang, Mike Petchy here. You're listening to my podcast in love with the process. I wanted to jump on here real quick before we get into today's episode and sort of set it all up. So here's what's been going on behind the scenes. Uh, when we got into Film Quest with my film Come Home, and we did the whole Film Quest series, which was like, what, 10 episodes that we just dumped on you guys, uh, it kind of threw our schedule out the window. Like there were a bunch of episodes like today's episode that were queued up and ready to rock that we had to postpone. So I wanted to jump on here and, uh, you know, make sure you didn't feel like you were crazy <laughs> when you hear some of my intros and you hear me talking about stuff that just seemed like it took place a while ago and that we're not making note or reference to anything that's happening recently. It's just because some of these episodes got buried in the queue. They're great episodes. I want to make sure that they come out. Uh, and I wanted to jump on here real quick and make them feel current, right? Um, so how are you? What's new? What's happening? We're uh, Thanksgiving week, man. I am. I just got home from picking up the turkey. We're doing a big Friendsgiving. I'm doing a, I think we have like a 22-pound turkey that I'm going to cook two different ways, right? So we're going to do the breast. I'm going to cut the legs and the wings off and then uh, braise those separately. And then we're going to smoke a spiral ham. I have a spiral ham there. Uh, and I think we're going to do a bunch of other great side dishes. I'm not getting too fancy with the side dishes this year because I've, I've come to realize that people like traditional Thanksgiving food because it's the only time of year that you get to eat this stuff. Like I get crazy and creative with everything else I do, but you know, this is when you're allowed to sit down and pile a plate full of turkey and ham and way too many mashed potatoes and just cover it with gravy, 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 and be a fat ass. It's okay. It's okay. This is the day that you could do that. You know, this is sort of the beginning of, you know, two months of gorging that will then fuel our, you know, frantic anxiety about dieting come January. <laughs> so yeah, we're doing a traditional Thanksgiving this year. I think I've got like 12, 14 people coming for Friendsgiving. So it's a bit more than usual. Um, we'll have people coming in at all different times of day. But if you come and eat at my space, there's always going to be leftovers. There's always going to be plenty of food. It's the old Italian grandmother deep within me that makes sure that there's plenty of food. Uh, there's nothing worse than going to someone's house and they have like the, just like a little plate that is not nearly enough for two people. And there are four of you sitting around the table and you have the whole like, do I serve myself? How much do I serve myself? Okay. You know, why is my plate so big when the food, you know what I mean? It gets fucking awkward. And my whole thing is that if it's the experience, I want people to come. I want people to be excited. I want people to be filled up with food and uh, I, I want it to be comfortable. And so, yeah, leftovers, leftovers, man. Um, well, I'm not going to rant and rave too much just because uh, I'll lead you right into some music now, and then we'll go into this episode as if this is happening real time. I'm excited about the guests that we have on today's show because you've heard me talk about my partnership with Fujifilm for a while now, and you know that we've been doing the Fujifilm Creator Series, and I thought it was important important that we all, you all, get to meet the folks at Fujifilm, get to meet the people that I talk about all the time and have them talk about their principles and their philosophies to you so that you know I'm not full of shit. <laughs> Let's be real about it. So I wanted to have these folks on. They're great people. I've hung out with them quite a few times. I've, I've been fortunate enough um, to meet up with them at different Fuji events and to be a part of, you know, sort of beta testing stuff that happens 
And uh, I think we are teasing the camera that was coming out. It's out. So the camera is out right now. Uh, the GFX 102 is this amazing medium format uh, video camera and still camera that is going to change the marketplace. It's incredibly affordable. It's beautiful. Uh, I'm excited about it. And uh, now's the perfect time for those of you looking to pick up some Fujifilm stuff, because I've had a lot of folks writing to me and asking me what kind of cameras, you know, Black Friday and all that stuff is happening. So if you uh, click the link in that, that is in today's episode, in the description of today's episode, or I'll do some posts this week on my Instagram page at Mike Petchy or at the podcast Instagram page, which is in love with the process pod. Um, I will put up trackable links there so that you guys can go check out the deals. And I've got a really good refurbished link and there's been a few great cameras in that refurbished link right now. Right. So if you're looking for a great still camera, if you're looking for a great video camera, you know, we're all coming out of the strike and we're ready to go back to business. Do you have the gear that you need? Definitely check out the Fujifilm stuff. All right. So uh, let's uh, let's play your track here, and uh, we'll go back in time and we'll get into it with the uh, the gang from Fujifilm. listening to the brand new episode of in love with the process i'm your host mike petchy how are you come on in have a seat grab a chair grab a beer we'll get some beers here you want a beer let's get let's get in man um thank you everybody for uh continuing to listen to the show and it blows my mind whenever i look at the stats of our listeners uh how many people listening to me talk you know microphone that's the first thing but second like the, the variety of folks that listen to this show men and women from all over the the, the planet are tuning into this um and uh i see you i hear you when you guys send me uh messages and suggestions i listen i respond um and i i really want to continue to nourish the group of people that listen to the show because they're, I learned so much from you. I'm so happy to share things with you. And you're, uh, a majority of the folks that listen to the show are incredibly appreciative of uh, being able to see movies or being able to talk about stuff. And, and uh, I love to be able to share what I know with you uh, because I know that I'm going to learn something through the process of doing so selfishly. That's why I do this. Um, and so, uh, thank you everybody. And, and in a way to give back, uh, what I'm going to do, and it should be up by the time this episode comes out. If you go to in love with the I just set up the super fan section of that website. So what is the super fan? Super fans are folks that engage with me all the time. There are listeners that are constantly commenting on every episode. I will get reviews sent to me of the episodes. Folks will say, I listened to this and this is what I agree with. Or sometimes I'll have folks go, Mike, you really don't know what you're talking about. Uh, engagement that happens on my Instagram at Mike Petchy. And I know if you look at my Instagram account and with all the craziness that's been happening with 12 kilometers in November, we're pushing a fucking year that that movie has been going viral and that I've been engaging with a lot of folks. I often am posting up negative reviews and positive reviews. When I do that sort of thing, I'm always reaching out to people 
to communicate with them because I find more than not uh, when somebody is being nasty or if someone is upset, it's because you're not talking to each other. And uh, this is something that uh, I really want to push, right? As we continue to go into this whole time period of uh, no uh, interaction between folks and it's all texts and it's all uh, a lot of people are using fucking AI to write their text now. So how dis how disconnected are you from that? Which is crazy to me, you know? And I think that it's important to understand, especially as a human, but like if we want to be more specific in our business, it's important that you know the skills, you have the skills to communicate with people. You have the confidence to be passionate and to be passionate about what it is that you do, be passionate about the stories that you want to tell, be passionate about the food you want to cook, be passionate about your history, be passionate about your, your hobbies, be passionate about the trips that you've been on. Because passion is what we're all looking for. Passion is contagious. Passion gets you into doorways. Passion skips the line. It's passion that makes things happen. And uh, today's show, we're going to talk a lot about that. On the show today, I'm finally going to introduce you to the team at Fujifilm. This is the team of folks that I've been talking about for quite some time. Whenever you listen to the Fujifilm Creator Series, and I interview the filmmakers that come on and they talk about how Fujifilm has supported them, has oftentimes financed their short films or financed their film sets or, or provided them equipment and gear. It is mind-blowing in a business where most manufacturers don't do that, where so many of us that work in this business are wounded, are dealing with past relationships where we've been taken advantage of or you've done something for someone and you don't retain the rights, or someone didn't pay your crew the right way, or took full advantage of, of all this stuff. And most working experiences that we go through are often, most, most of the time, pretty abrasive and can be pretty destructive. And to find a, a, a giant company like Fujifilm that respects people, respects stories, respects the craft, respects your time, and understands the power of nourishing storytellers. Um, I, I just, I can't say enough about it. And, and I know that I've ranted and raved on all these other episodes. And you're like, okay, whatever, Mike. They're a fucking sponsor for you, right? There it is. There's that East Coaster, right? There's the, there's the move, right? They sponsor you. So, of course, you're going to say great things about them because they sponsor your show. They sponsor your stuff. I get it. I would say the same thing as an East Coaster, as, as a mistrusting, calloused, uh, you know, uh, you know, wounded, limping, creative. I would say the same thing. And so to prove it to you, I want you to meet the people that are in charge of making these films happen. The people that work at Fujifilm that are hunting for the stories, that are meeting creatives, that are supporting creatives. The people that work at Fujifilm who are helping you make it happen by figuring out logistics and giving you the real numbers and giving you uh, the resources and access that you need to make something really great. The people that are there that understand exactly how the technology works and what the technology wants to be and the, the limitations of that tech, but also the 
the broad imagination and scope and scale of, of this new technology and how it integrates with your work. Today's episode, I want you to meet the team, the folks that work at Fujifilm. Okay. So Verena Shaughnessy is joining us. Uh, she is the creative producer at Fujifilm. She has been working with them since 2019. She helped launch Create Forever, which is where you're seeing all these really great movies and all this really great content. She is the first line of defense when it comes to sorting through the emails and ideas and pitches. And so uh, Verena shares a lot on the show. She will uh, tell us by the end of the episode uh, what Fujifilm is looking for if you guys are trying to pitch something to them. And uh, I, this is a dangerous episode because I'm opening the floodgates, right? I'm opening the floodgates for this. So many of you that listen to the show are like, Mike, how did you get in with Fujifilm? You, you'll know by the end of the episode today how it works. Um, so Verena is joining us on the show. Also joining us on the show is Jackie Mary. She is the owner of uh, Paradox Studio, and she's the head of production at Fujifilm. She handles logistics, crews, and budgets for all of the making of documentaries and for all of the films themselves. Um, she is a uh, good cop, bad cop, but good bad cop. Let's just put it that way, right? She, she'll explain. She comes from a creative family, but she has always been passionate about logistics. She's passionate about problem solving and she loves it. Uh, this, these are the type of people that you wish you had on your side. These are the type of people that I look for consistently uh to work for me on on movies and stuff i mean if you go to verena's website i'm just going to read this 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 blew my mind when i read her description this is this is how she describes her job i'm a listener a seeker a dot connector a dreamer an instigator an image maker and a friend my passion is to help the world tell better stories how crazy is that and she believes it and she, 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 she actually enacts on that. And you'll hear that on the show. Finally, joining us is Justin Staley, who is Fujifilm's tech guy. He is the guy behind the scenes trying to make all the gear work in the crazy scenarios and situations that these filmmakers throw at them. He's the guy there with answers. He's putting out fires and not letting you know that anything's on fire. I love it about him. And... He's the guy that knows the most about the gear. And I I try. I don't know when this episode is going to come out. Maybe this episode will come out after Fujifilm makes an announcement. But, you know, I recorded this on the 31st of August. So I was coyly, not, not so coyly. I tried to get some information on the new stuff that's coming out because I've heard rumors uh, on some of the new stuff that Fujifilm is putting out, which will be game changing for us as filmmakers. So... Not only are they making great gear, um, and not only are, do they have the staff and the folks that are out there on the field working with us, working with creatives uh, to develop this gear and to make it easier to use and to make it align with the crazy insanity ideas that we have as creatives, right? Because it's, it's, it's got to be the most complicated thing in the world to create support equipment for an industry that is constantly changing, right? 
There are certain plans that are always the same. You hire the specific type of crew, block light shoot, right? There are always these things that you can rely upon, but that's about it. Everything else is thrown up in the air. You have no idea what you're shooting. Am I shooting on video screens? Am I shooting on a glacier? I have no idea. And how's the equipment going to respond to those types of things? Uh, so yeah, Justin and I talk a little bit about that too. So you're in for a treat, man. And this... I think this is the first episode that I'm doing with three people remotely, which is uh, an interesting thing to do, especially since none of us can see each other. And so it's just who's going and whose voice is happening. And we did a good job. We find our rhythm. Uh, I'm proud of myself for this one. It was a good one. It's a good episode. Before we get into it, I just want to thank everybody for following me on Instagram at Mike Petchy and thank everybody for following the podcast, The Love of the Process Pod. And like I said earlier, go to inlovewiththeprocess.com and check out our super fan section. You're going to like it. Um, one of the things that uh, I'm doing there is between now and Halloween, every week on Tuesday, I'm releasing a brand new article that gives you top, my top three movies in a specific subgenre, usually of horror. Maybe there's some sci-fi, but like, what are three grindhouse movies that I love that you have never seen before? What are three uh, horror alien movies that I love that if you're younger, you may never have heard of before and you should probably watch. Uh, and I don't know if you're like me, but as I sort of push into October, being Halloween time, I'm watching a ton of horror and I'm going back in time and trying to relive what scared me as a kid. So all of that stuff will be at inlovewiththeprocess.com. In the super fan section, bookmark it. Check it out every Tuesday. Um, there will be a new drop. All right. And that's also a place that you can get all sorts of information on how to see my films. But I'll tell you that in the ad reads. So without further ado, let's get into it. And I heard some cats and dogs and parakeets. You'll, you'll see what that means. Uh, with the entire team, Justin, Jackie, Marina, on the brand new episode of In Love With The Process. I'm, I'm joined by the Fujifilm squad today, Farina, Justin, Jackie. Hi, how is everybody? How are you? Hello. Doing all right. We'll <laughs> try not to talk over as much as possible. <laughs> I love how the awkward part, just because we're, we can't see each other, it's just audio. So everybody's like, who talks first? What's going on? <laughs> it's fine. It's cool. We can talk over each other. This is an NPR. It's okay. okay we're going to be great. good. 
Uh, Jessica, how, much, you, how many people have you had on this podcast at once? Uh, in person, maybe five. Yeah. But uh, okay. you guys, this is the record for remote stuff. <laughs> All right, you know? let's do it. And uh, Justin, like you didn't say first. you didn't say hi there, buddy. Are you listening to us, Justin? Are you good? I'm I'm all good, and you've got uh, what all three corners of the United States on here from me in the Northeast and Verena in the Northwest and Jackie in the Southwest. Yeah, we, we've got to cover it covered. We've got to cover it covered. And what we were talking about prior for the audience members that love the inside dirt is that we also have every spectrum of the pet covered as well. So we've got parakeets, <laughs> we've got rats, we've got cats. We've got dogs, all sorts of wonderful distractions from the show. Uh, so, welcome everybody. <laughs> um, so, uh, I'm excited. I'm excited to have everybody on here because I have been talking for a while about Fujifilm on the show ever since Victor and I got together uh, over beers that fateful afternoon. And uh, I have been meeting all of these amazing filmmakers and uh, we've been recording all these really great shows. And I, my, my rally to all of the listeners of the show is how much Fujifilm really seems to uh, excel uh, among all the other manufacturers out there by giving a shit about the creators and really pushing stories and really uh, supporting filmmakers out there, not only with gear, but also oftentimes by helping make productions and get productions up and running. And... Um, I I feel like I'm talking to the squad right now that is responsible for all that stuff. Am I right? Yeah, uh, we're the squad, the Fujifilm squad. Well, let me try to navigate. Let uh, Verena, let's let's start with you. Like you and I met, uh, we had a couple beers out here in uh, in California at one of the Fuji events, and we really got nerdy about uh, content creation and, and supporting people. And what I found interesting about you is uh, how driven you are to make connections with folks. It seems like you are determined. I like on your website where it's, I, I like how you have it listed, where it's like, I'm a listener, I'm a seeker, I'm a doc connector, a dreamer, an instigator, which I enjoy. I like that. Uh, an image maker and a friend. Like, what does all that mean? Why did you get into this business? What do you do? <laughs> oh. uh, I once had a friend that said, if you could just figure out how to get paid for networking, you'd be set. And I think I figured out how to finally do that. <laughs> um, I'm the creative producer at Fujifilm, the, the contracted creative producer. So with them um, full time working through the stories that get pitched to Fujifilm and then also just finding creators that we should be having conversations with. Um, but I actually got into it through not the traditional route. I don't know if anyone really gets into this work through the traditional route, but mm. was working in the humanitarian space first in Uganda, South Sudan, and then India. Um, and oh, was wow. kind of figuring out how to tell stories there. And when I came back from the last country, India, that was where I kind of was like, all right, let's, let's try more of the film industry. And I made the home videos, been editing since high school and, just used what I knew um, and started knocking on doors left and right to try to get into this business. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. I yeah. mean, that's, that's how to get into this business. It's, it's, it's crazy how 
how people think it's such a magical thing. And really it's not, it's really just going and sitting down and having beers and talking to folks and, and uh, you know, doing one-on-ones and, and having the confidence to walk into a space and go like, Hey, I think we would be good friends. You know, do you feel that way? Yeah. Well, and I, instead of walking into a bar to have beers with someone, I walked into a new bar in Chattanooga, Tennessee, where I was living and said, you're going to need social media content, but you can't pay me because you're a new small business. So can we do a beer trade where I'll make (laughs) stories for you if you give me free beer? And that worked out for me and my husband for about a year. Um, That was the only place we'd (laughs) hang out with friends because we didn't have to pay anything. And that was kind of where I started cutting my teeth on social media content. (laughs) That's awesome. <laughs> I love that. I, you know, I'm yeah. at that point right now with the strike and everything. I'm ready to do that. I might go down to my local bar. <laughs> um, so I love, I mean, look, I, I love that folks like you are pumped about, you know, really being a dot connector and a person that is making these connections because that's really what our business needs. And the weird part about filmmaking is that a lot of the filmmakers that get into it oftentimes are kind of reclusive. Oftentimes are, especially when you're young, you're like sort of lost in the art and it's, it's an incredibly social business. And, um, unless you have those skills or it took me years to teach myself the skills on like how to be a a personable person and not just some dude in a metal shirt hiding in a closet somewhere making really cool things. Um, you know, you, you understand the power that comes with being able to communicate with people and talk with folks and to have someone on your team that that's what they do for a fucking job. I mean, it's a very powerful position, you know? It's really fun. Um, I feel like I, before kind of one of the side jobs I had all through college was working at a running shoe store. I'm a, I'm a big runner. Um, and you just learn to talk to people. It's kind of like a barbershop. People come in all the time, (laughs) every, every 300 miles, they got to replace those shoes. And so you learn to ask people questions, learn about their stories, where they're from, how their dog's doing. I mean, our, we, it was a great shop. So our owner would even send me to like the hospital to like fix, like get fit some of our geriatric patients or shoe buyers. Um, and I just learned to listen to people's stories there. And I really feel like that was kind of where I cut my teeth and what I'm doing now, because you don't necessarily, you don't learn to craft a story that way, but you learn to ask questions and to listen and bring, bring people out in those kind of retail jobs. And I really think that that was kind of a stepping stone to get here. That's smart, man. That makes a lot of sense. And, and Jackie, let's talk a bit about your work. So you're head of production. So you're the logistics master over there. What, how did you find yourself in that position? Um, I, I love when I talk to creatives because whenever they, um, we talk about my job, they're like, oh, wow, I would never want to do your job. And I always, <laughs> well, I wouldn't want to do your job either. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, wait. You wouldn't want to do the creative's job? Is that what you said? Yeah, uh, I feel like I... My, my mom is a musician, so I grew up um, with creatives and artists uh, mm-hmm. my whole life. But I knew that that was never how my brain worked. I'm way more, you know, type A mm-hmm. um, than type B. But I, I learned how to work with creatives um, at a young age. So when I found myself like, okay, am I going to be a mathematician um, or <laughs> something like an, an accountant, you know, um, it, that didn't appeal to me. So I was like, what, how do I work with creatives, but not be 
a creative. Um, mm. Mm. So which is, which that's is kind of where I landed on film. That, which is interesting, right? Because then I don't know how many times I've worked with a producer or someone that ultimately wants to do my job, but they're just sort of doing mm-hmm. that as sort of like an interim. And yeah. You you, yeah. fi- you find that like they're not really doing the producing job a hundred percent because their passion's not really into it, and mm. it's a hard thing to find somebody. Uh, once again, find someone that is in love with that specific task and that job. Like, uh, why? What is it that you love about crunching numbers and and being the logistics person? Uh, I I think it's more of the creative problem solving. Mm-hmm. Uh, I- especially working in low budget or starting out, I should say, in low budget um, doc work. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you had a, you, could, you had to figure out um, how to make it work with what you had. And I think that's where at Fujifilm, like working with so many different types of projects and people um, and different obstacles, you know, you stretch that creative part of your mind. Um, so, I think that that's what I get enjoyment out of. And when I first started, I thought I would end up in like live broadcasting mm-hmm. um, and be a, a live broadcast producer. Cause I went to school in Chicago and that was more of like uh, the environment out there. And I, I liked the fast pace. I hated being on a film set and just having to sit there. Um, <laughs> yes, very true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I like the fast paced environment um, of things and having to think quick on your feet and, okay, how do I solve this problem? Um, it's a, that, that's what I enjoy, even though other people would like, it would give them an anxiety attack. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, that's, that's where I, I thrive. Um, so I think so, that's that's what I get out of the enjoyment of producing. But yeah, I think I will always have a job because creators will always need always need a logistic brain because they will never want to do it. Yeah, it's tough, man. It's it's very tough. When when I came up, I was producing a lot of my own content, and it's it's a and I still do, and it's it's difficult because you have two personalities in your head, right? You've got that personality in your head that is the logistics person that's like, all right, look, we only have this location for this amount of time. You're going to probably yep. have to cut these shots. You're going to have to do all that stuff. And then there's the creative end of me that's like, well, yeah, but if I cut this fucking thing, then why am I shooting this thing? And so the the that balance internally for me has sometimes been really great, but oftentimes is not really great because there's yeah. usually like this – I'm sacrificing one thing or the other. Um, and so uh, to have someone that is uh, passionate about logistics and that knows and understands to be able to communicate with a creative. And I, I would assume that you learned a lot because your mom being creative on like how to actually deal with the temper tantrum slash inspirational <laughs> craziness. <laughs> Sorry. Have definitely, yeah, me and Farina have definitely had to go through that. Um, but <laughs> I, I learned that even more so at Fujifilm because that's definitely, uh, it's working with creatives in a much larger capacity because we're doing projects constantly rather than my jobs before. You know, I was a staff producer and I would only work with one, maybe two directors um, on the same shows yeah. um, over and over again, you know, on season. So, um, I learned how to work with, you know, a few creators and then learned 
you know, how they like to work and working with them on it. So it'd be like, okay, well, we can't do this, but we can do this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, giving them different options. And so they don't feel like they have to sacrifice the story, but I definitely get what you mean. When I was directing projects, I would always say, I'm not hiring an AD because mm -hmm. I have that AD producer brain. And so honestly, they just always frustrated me because I was like, no, I know that we'll be able to make up time here and I can cut this and don't worry about it. And I would just kind of shoo them away because that's just how it work. And that's why I probably wasn't the best director in the end because, um, you know, I would I would sway more to the decision of a, what a producer AD would decide over than what the creative yeah. uh, would do. So th that's where I was like, okay, yes, directing is not my strength. Let's stick to producing. <laughs> well, it's cool, man. I, I think it's great that you do that. Um, and it's an obviously very important when you're talking about putting together these type of productions. And if you're talking about putting the type of productions together that Fujifilm is putting together, we should probably – also bring Justin in the conversation so he's not quietly sitting in the background because a big portion of all of this is also the tech and the technology. And it's the game of the mix of finding the folks and finding the stories, managing the stories and trying to give them what they need and sort of make it happen and complete those stories. But also, you know, what are you going to use to make these stories? Uh, and Justin, how did you get into the position that you're in at this point? How did you find your way there? Wow. Um, there's a lot to, lot to unpack there. Um, I have a pretty varied background. I started off in engineering in college and determined that I was too creative to be an engineer <laughs> because like all the problems, solutions are in books places and you, uh, you just look up the, you know, look up whatever bridge component you need to span this distance and, and it's magically there. And so I, I transferred to architecture because I thought, you know what, that's at least a more creative outlet. And I got uh, into architecture school, got working for a friend of mine who is an amazing architect. And we were doing some really cool projects and on, uh, on uh, migrant farm worker housing. Hmm. And, we uh, he really liked to use the vernacular architecture and bring in elements of the local um, classical sort of what was there. And we got out making pictures and taking pictures of architecture on kind of these little field trips to pick up details that we could use. And then I got bit by the bug and transferred to photography and, mm. you know, went to, went to RIT up in Rochester, New York, I have a degree in professional photographic illustration. And by this point I had spent a bit of time in college and knew I couldn't, uh, you know, go to, go to New York and be an assistant that I had student loans I had to pay back. And I, uh, um, you know, needed to get out there. So I went and started working, um, for a company that was, uh, Bogan Imaging at the time, mm -hmm. that later on became Manfrotto. So I started working in the sort of support systems and dealing with photographers there and cinematographers because we were Avenger Grip and a whole bunch of right, other things. So it right, kind right. of got me into lots of different stuff. I was a product manager there. So working with engineers, developing products and working with the people actually using it and kind of really got exposed to a lot of different people and got exposed to a lot of high-end photographers. Mm -hmm. um, I then went and worked for another German camera manufacturer. That's a very well-known camera company and was there for a while. And uh, Fujifilm 
this was about 10 years ago, was looking for someone to step in. They had a, they had an open position at, in the product line mm-hmm. to bring someone in for the X series back then and came and hunted me down, um, to bring me in for that. So that's been a little over 10 years ago now. And I, you know, love the job, love the people, love the brand, love the company. And, uh, you know, we, we really do, you said it earlier, listen to photographers and, you know, that's part of my job is to take that feedback from the people using the gear mm-hmm. and transmit that back to the engineers. Mm-hmm. So that varied, uh, history that I have in, in engineering and other things becomes really helpful because I can speak the engineer's language, yeah. but I can also speak the creative's language. Yeah. So I, I become this, this tightrope walk of communicating, you know, here's what, here's what the photographer or the, the videographer or cinematographer needs. And here's why it's important. We need to give them this feature. And in sort of the, the roundabout way, I end up on a lot of these productions because a lot of the things that we do might be on a new camera that doesn't exist yet. You yeah. know, that's a, yeah. a pre-production model that certain things might not work when we're out in the field. So it's knowing how to navigate those things and, and working with Jackie and working with Farina as we, as we come up with these projects and these stories of, you know, how do we showcase this product in a way that's meaningful? Who's, who's going to use it in the end and who's going to buy it. And that's sometimes the tricky part. Well, here's, yeah, it's fascinating. And here's what I, here's what I like about what you guys are doing. Um, so cinema hasn't been around that long, right? So movies have, have been around that long. Photography has been around for a bit, for a bit, you know, and it like the language of cinema is, ch- is ever, fu- it's ever changing. And it's ever because we don't know what it what it is yet. And when we're shooting stuff and when we're when we're making things, as a creator, most of the time it's all in theory, right? So you you have a script, you have something that's put down, you put together a great plan. But my, it's my job to sort of create the atmosphere and environment that we can experiment, we can play, and we can find these things because what we're ultimately hunting for, like a bunch of idiots running around in a field with steel rods in our hands, we're looking for lightning. We're trying to find magic. And in, and when you find something that is magical, it's something that comes so naturally, it's, it's breathed out perfectly that you can't write that. You can't make that. Anytime that we're trying to hold on to things and restrict them and, and push them, they feel false. They feel manufactured. They don't feel true. And so in that magic hunt that we do as creatives, um, it's, it's, it's like shooting from the hip. It's like, it's like the equivalent of being like a, um, like a, uh, a wildlife photographer in Africa, you know, and like suddenly the lion comes jumping out of the tall grass and like, get him, grab the camera. And you're trying desperately to sort of find that stuff. And I think that, and I'm sure I'm being a little dramatic, but I find it fascinating when you're a company that is manufacturing tools and you're trying to stay at the cutting edge of an ever-changing, ever-fluid, like a, a, a world without ground and gravity and, and trying to set rules and boundaries that exist and standards that exist in a, uh, a field where, you know, ever since SEMTI, really, what are the standards right now? The standards are as, as fluid as... As as looking for the for the uh, for the stories, right? 
Yeah, no, I, I think you're you're absolutely right there that it is fluid. And I think um, that's one of the beautiful things that we do and and we try to do very, very much part of the way we like to work is we don't really, I would say, shape the story. Verena goes out and finds these creatives that have stories they want to tell. And we become the conduit to tell those stories. Yeah. I'm not out going, oh, well, we need to do a story on, you know, a nature photographer in Africa. We're not going there. We're finding people's stories and it's the stories that they want to tell. And it's we're giving that voice and that, um, I think, ability to tell those stories. Which is refreshing. It's very refreshing because in our business, and, and I'm sure that Jackie and Verena can speak to this. In our business, as a creative, whenever we're, we're out there getting stuff made, whether, it, whether it's a commercial or it's a music video, right? Or if you're shooting photography for a product line, it always comes with restrictions. And, and because these things are so expensive to do, because they cost hard costs, which you can't avoid, um, you have to interact with money people. And oftentimes when there's money involved, even if you're making movies, when the money comes in, the money usually comes loaded with a whole lot of stipulation, like a lot of stipulation. Like uh, you got to cast my son in this thing or like uh, you have to make sure that this is shot with this specific lens and that's the only way you're going to be able to shoot this or you have to do this and have to do that. And what I found interesting through talking with all the different filmmakers that you guys have worked with is that you've been incredibly fluid about that sort of thing. And it really is, it seems to be that you guys are more hyper-focused on the storyteller than you are on the gear itself. Is that right? Yeah, that's 100% right. I mean, and, and I would say it's the storyteller and it's their why, their purpose. Why are they te- making stories? Why are they telling this story? Why is it important to them? And that's like that's the, one of the biggest questions that I ask when I'm meeting any photographer or filmmaker is why is this important to you? I mean, it's, it kind of goes back to the Simon Sinek thing of people don't buy what you do. They buy why you do it. Yeah. And so our, us as a brand, we, that why is so important. That's how I got brought in to working on anything with Fujifilm was they said, tell, tell our story, tell why we're doing it, but tell it through the creators Like go out and find our values through our people. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, I mean, that has continued to only get stronger the more that I've worked with them and gotten to know the team there is they care so much about the why behind a creator. And when we can get on board with that, then we, we can get on board with the story. So when, you, when you're out there and you're, because you, I'm sure you're meeting uh, quite a few different creatives out there, right, at this point. And, oh, quite a few. Yeah. And after this, I'm sure there will be more. <laughs> yes, uh-huh, because the news is out. And so Here we go. <laughs> what, when, you're, when you're sorting through this, right, when you're meeting all these individuals, what is the, because you know when you have a conversation with somebody. I know when I'm talking to an actor and I go, oof, this is someone I want to work with. Like, what is the thing that, that turns on that light for you? What is the thing that sparks that interest? I think it's, I mean, 
probably everyone on this call can can relate to this, but when you meet someone who's really passionate about something, mm-hmm. like you get excited about it. I mean, they could be passionate about pickles and just because <laughs> they're passionate about it, I'm going to want to ask more questions about pickles. I mean, I had a whole conversation about sea kelp yesterday, an hour and a half long conversation <laughs> about sea kelp. I could do a whole podcast now on sea kelp. It's a dangerous <laughs> world out there, guys. There's sea urchins that are after those sea kelp, but- I don't think I really cared about Seacamp getting onto that call, but now I do because that person was so passionate about it. Um, and so I think that's something that we're always looking for because we can't want it for the person. They've got to want it. Yeah. Um, and then also looking for like those who are, are eager to want to make their work. Um, they got to be willing to, to fight for it. And then we always are looking up people. We're, we're always after people that want to build a relationship with us was, what one of our coworkers, Stacy, calls Fujifilm like a mom and pop shop. Yeah. <laughs> We're very relational. But as you know, I mean, we've we met over beers. Like, yes, yes. We're, yes. It's all about the relationship with us. And so, if you just meet us once and we never hear from you again, it's like, oh well, that was not meant to be. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. The people that pursue us—that's um, that's all important. And notice, none of that was their creative at first. <laughs> that was all who the person is. But that's that's just it, right? And that's what's interesting about this. And it, like, I, I'm not trying to give a cheat code to everybody listening to the show, but I kind of am. Like, there, I think a, a lot of folks get caught up and twisted with like gear and tech, and like they'll watch a bunch of YouTube videos, and this is how you become a director, or this is how you do this, and you. The the one thing that's the most important is the thing that is unsexy. It's the thing that no one's making YouTube videos about. And they're not making instructional videos about. It's like, how do I sit down with an individual that I don't know, form a bond and connection that is honest, and that is stimulating myself as well as that other person, because that's how things happen. It isn't, you know, you might have the best fucking idea in the world and be the worst person to talk to, and it just doesn't get made. You know, it's, I think it's it's one of these techniques that a lot of folks just don't talk about and don't engage with um, because it's, it's not easy to be a personable person, (laughs) especially in the modern environment. (laughs) And and we overthink it and we get so nervous about it. But at the end of the day, any brand that you're pitching to, it is a normal person on the other end of it. And the more Mm -hmm. you can be real and human in that connection with them the easier it is. Yeah. I feel at least. Yeah. I agree with you, man. I agree with you. It's weird, man. I, like I never expected to have a relationship with you guys. Never did. I, I, and literally the story on the show was that Victor thought I was somebody else when he sat down next to me and he was like, are you this guy? I go, no, I know who that guy is, but who the hell are you? <laughs> and that, that was the connection. We instantly made a connection as two people. And so that's how this business works. It's mm-hmm. important for people to understand that, I think. All right, it's me from the future. Hi, I'm here. I'm going to do some updated ad reads uh, for all of you as uh, I try to bang this episode out and get my ass in gear because uh, I'm going to a very cool screening tonight, which which I'll talk about uh, for, for maybe Friday's catch-up episode. We'll talk about that. Um, anyway, uh, first up, obviously, Fujifilm 
right? Fujifilm is a big player on In Love With The Process. If you love this show and you love hearing about Fujifilm stuff, please do me a favor and just uh, leave a comment under any of my posts or any of Fujifilm's posts on Instagram and just say, hey, we appreciate you. Thank you so much for supporting Mike and his show. Thank you so much for doing In Love With The Process. Um, and uh, because without them, uh, the show wouldn't be possible. All right, so now if you're in the market for a still camera or a video camera or both, and you're looking for something that has amazing color profiles, if you're looking for something that has amazing low ISO, uh, very low grain stuff, if you're looking for that new medium format camera, right, video camera to do your work with, I can't say enough great stuff about Fujifilm. Go to Fujifilm. Uh, the link is in the description of today's episode. Go to their website and uh, check out their new GFX 102. It's awesome. It's really fucking cool. And a lot of the filmmakers that are are in the creator series and people that start to talk about working with like a secret camera, this is that camera that we've been teasing for, for the year, for the past year uh, on the show. So like I said, the link is in the description of today's episode. Go there, check it out um and uh, have your mind blown and you know do it around black friday you know what i'm saying uh also supporting the show friends over at puget systems without those guys we wouldn't have had the amazing film quest series did you guys listen to the whole series i was just on the way back from buying a turkey I had to go all the way to south pasadena for it there's this one spot that i buy them which is great and on the way back i had about 20 minutes to get back 25 minutes so i i put on the doug jones episode because um, every once in a while, I like to just sort of hear it in the car and make sure it sounds okay. Um, and uh, man, that was a great fucking episode. That's a good one. Do you agree? I thought it was an awesome episode. Doug is so funny on it. I thought we were all firing on all cylinders. Me and Lance had our thing together. Uh, it's a good episode, man. If you haven't heard it yet, go to inlovewiththeprocess.com and I have the entire Film Quest series up there. So you could go up there and listen to the whole series. But that Doug Jones episode, that's definitely a high watermark for our Film Quest series. And we couldn't have done it without the guys over at Puget Systems. They sponsored the whole thing. Uh, and if you are somebody who is in the market right now for a new editing computer, think differently. Think differently. Build yourself a PC. They're affordable. They're upgradable, Right. Uh, they come from a highly competitive marketplace, so prices drop consistently on it. And there's something really nice about not being locked out of specific folders. And, you know, with Macs and, and Apple, the reason why they are so reliable is that they keep you out of all of the important folder structure on their operating system, which can be a pain in the ass if you have save files being saved by Resolve, or you have weird autosave files, and you're like, where the fuck did this autosave file go? And now you have to go through and find hidden folders and all this stuff on a Mac. It drives me insane. On a PC, it's wide open. I love that about it. And maybe that's, you know, the kid that used to work in car shops. Maybe that's the kid that likes to build his own stuff. I like my tool working for me. I don't like being locked out of stuff. It drives me nuts. It drives me nuts. That's how I found Puget Systems. Go to PugetSystems.com, build a computer based upon the software you're going to use. Simply put. And uh, one of our other sponsors on the show, Black Magic. 
Blackmagic Design, they do Resolve, DaVinci Resolve. And I know so many of you and the filmmakers love Blackmagic. We've listened to the Film Quest episode. How many of the filmmakers are like, yep, yep, we use Resolve. Yep, yep, we use, we have a, a, a pocket cinema camera. Yep, yep, yep. It's a big deal. And we're trying to push real hard. I'm in talks with Blackmagic about doing some really great stuff in the coming year. Um, so uh, if you guys, like I said, Black Friday's coming, man. You guys are trying to get ready to get out of the gates now that the strikes are ending and there's going to be a, a huge void of work. Everybody's going to be scrambling hard to try to get jobs. Um, make sure you're on point, right? You're pushing into the holidays. You got to spend that money for tax, right? You got to get those tax write-offs, right? You know, it's all write-offs when you buy that shit, right? Um, so check out Black Magic. Go to their website. It's in the description of today's episode. Big fans of them. Also supporting the show, guys, we're giving you free ad reads right now, so it's time that we catch up. Our friends over at Boca Rentals. Boca Rentals is the place to go if you're looking for amazing camera support and gear uh, for your production. I say this all the time. One of the most important things you can do as a young filmmaker, young cinematographer, is make friends with your local rental company. And if you're in Los Angeles or Las Vegas, they have places in Las Vegas as well. Boca Rentals is the place to go. Just their inventory of amazing anamorphic and cinematic lenses is worth your time. Go to their Instagram page, check out all their stuff, and get your hands on a nice adapter. And you can either adapt these lenses to that new Fujifilm camera, which I love, that GFX 102, or you can adapt these lenses to a Blackmagic camera. You notice how I have competitors as my ad reads and sponsors? These guys, and this is what I love about them. I had this conversation with Blackmagic yesterday where uh, he's like, dude, I don't care if there are other companies and stuff. We just want to be a part of this. And we understand. We understand that in this business, people are using gear and pieces from everybody. And we just want to be in the club. We want to make sure that we're there doing stuff and supporting you the way that we need to. We don't expect everybody to be diehards. They just, they, they know that it's about the work first. And that's why all these companies are our sponsors on the show. Um, so yeah, check out all those folks. The links are in the description of today's episode. Can't say enough great things about them. Okay. Let's get back to the episode. Okay, so you find somebody, uh, you're you're infected with their passion, right? And so now, uh, does Jackie get the call? <laughs> no, it still stays in my court for a while, <laughs> and then it goes to her court for a while. Um, no, so once we meet people and start building relationships, and that all starts, as we've said, kind of in very different ways. Um, it's, we offer, I mean, we accept pitches all year long. Um, I tell people, I'm like, it may not be a yes right away, but it's always good to send me an idea, especially if it doesn't have a timeline that it's glued to because we have campaigns and we have different budgets that we pull from throughout the year that are on a timeline. And so for instance, someone pitched us an idea a year ago and I was just able to pull it off the shelf because I was like, didn't fit anything last year, but it really fits something this year. So let's see if we can make it work. Yeah. So 
uh, during that phase, I'm then reviewing pitches. I'm reaching out to image makers going like, Hey, we've got something coming down the pipeline. Send us a pitch. Here's the theme. Um, and we work with a lot of rising image makers. So I'm very one-on-one with, with our image makers. And I say image maker, but we work with photographers and filmmakers. Um, very one-on-one with them. The first thing you sent me isn't necessarily the one that I'm going to push forward in front of the marketing team. If it needs story feedback, I, you, I am definitely going to give it to you. I probably give too much feedback sometimes, but I care <laughs> so much about their story being the best it can be. Um, and so we get it to a good spot. And then that's when I then kind of take those pitches and pitch them in front of the marketing team. And that's multiple meetings. <laughs> but once they're selected, then it goes over to Jackie's court. Um, and that's when Jackie and I are then working together um, through production. But that's, that's where she runs the show. Right. And now, now Jackie, how does the conversation go? I, I, call, I, I get the call from Fuji, right? Marina says, hey, Mike, we like your idea. And I go, oh, fuck yeah. All right, awesome. And I've got all this really great ideas for stuff. And do, do I get on the call with you? And uh, is it a great call or is it, is it a negative call? <laughs> Depends. <laughs> yeah, I, I think me and Verena joke a lot, but, you know, we play mom and dad a lot. and um, Or bad cop, good cop. Um, because sometimes, you know, I have to be the bad cop and shatter their um, – all their creative little dreams. Um, but no, that's not, that's not actually how it goes. Um, and most of the time, you know, Verena and I work so closely before it even gets into the marketing teams, uh, like in front of their eyes. So we can, you know, I can go over the pitches and review them to make sure that logistically and, you know, brand wise, we can actually show their work. So, you know, we're still a brand. We still have to worry about logos and legal and, um, and required brand guidelines. And so we review that before, you know, we talk to the creator and get their hopes up. Um, or, and we try to manage their expectations because even I always say, we want to give you the world and we will give you the world when, and you're very lucky if you're one of the few that is selected, for either a launch piece or just a project throughout the year. And if you get your project in front of Verena's eyes, um, but we, we definitely try to manage their expectations because it, it is also a brand and, you know, it's not just um, a project that, you know, you're self-funding and you can do whatever you want. Right. Um, so then, and then obviously I go through the budget and sometimes they're really happy with my notes and I'm like, no, <laughs> uh, you know, we still want your crew to get paid. Well, this isn't a self-funded film anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, let's go through line by line and, and try to do what's fair as fair as we can with the budget that we have. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then sometimes we do have to make that those cuts, but then it's, you know, okay, how can we go back into the creative? So we're, working again that like creative problem solving brain of how can we change this so then we don't hurt your crew in the end or how do we go from three days to two days mm-hmm. in a manageable way um because at the end of the day you know people still need to work in this industry and get paid for their work mm-hmm. um and their worth so but we definitely try to be as fair as we possibly can. And we, we definitely care about the creator and their crew, um, which I've worked with a lot of brands 
um, both on the manufacturing side and just, you know, getting brand deals for different series. Um, and that's never been um, feedback or a mention that I've gotten. So working with Fujifilm is a huge honor that I get to do that and make and go through their budget and actually give them what they need and want. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that's definitely a, a different side of a brand that I definitely have not seen before. Well, I'm happy that you're talking about it because it's important to talk about that, especially right now in the modern environment that we're in mm-hmm. and, and being able to understand and support your team and your crew. And it, the, as a creator myself and as a director myself and being someone that not only has self-financed stuff, but has also worked for large corporations and as a commercial director and everything else, you, you sort of, you sort of see it, right? You sort of see, the sort of slimy, like uh, money cash grab. Can I get this as cheap as possible? And I convince these young kids to do something for no money, and then they run around and they do this kind of thing. And it, it's it's a systematic, like it's a virus that runs through our entire industry of, yes. of folks yeah. that are taken advantage of. And uh, I've sniffed you guys out pretty early on. And I was before <laughs> I started agreeing to promote it, you guys and everything. I, like the the respect and the love for the the people responsible for this stuff is admirable and one would also say very smart um considering the world that we're in right now where tech companies are attempting to kind of decimate our business with ai and all this other sort of stuff that exists out there and i think it's very smart that we're celebrating the human element of this and supporting the human beings and enabling them to be able to work and to do their jobs the right way so yeah. I, that's, that's great that you guys are doing. Yeah. I think the most um, frustrating part of my job and probably the saddest is having to speak to creators and other producers um, who are untrusting of brands um, or, you know, haven't worked with a brand, but have heard nightmare stories or gone through nightmares themselves mm-hmm. and having to be like, no, 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 you can actually trust us. Like you don't actually have to worry about this, you know, Um, because that's just how they've gone through their whole careers up until working with us. And I think that's the beautiful thing about Fujifilm hiring, um, you know, my company and Verena, um, because we have gone through those experiences. And, you know, at the end of the day, we're very loving and kind people. Like we're not just like hiding behind uh, like a name of a brand. Um, it, it's very relational, like Verena said. Um, and, and so we do care and we do try everything we can before it, um, before anything like that would ever happen to a creator. We are very protective over them as well. I think that's wonderful. I think it's wonderful. And you're right. I mean, a big part of our job is dealing with trauma, right? And mm-hmm. like I, I, I talked about this on a prior episode where – you know, as a director, I'll put together my crew and I'll have my crew work for me and we'll have an amazing experience and we'll have this really amazing bond. And then someone else will come along, take the same crew and put them through hell. And so then you go back to work with them after they've been through that other project and you just see the change. You see the flinching and the scarring and the scabbing and the limping that all these people have. And I find that a big portion of my job as a, as a director at that point is to remind them like, whoa, whoa, whoa it's us again. It's safe. You're in a safe place. You're allowed to, you know, trust again. Like, I'm sorry yeah. that you got, you know, bamboozled by some snake oil asshole. It's we're we're back. And it, it's, it's, it's rare to find that. And I, I think 
that's a big reason why you see uh, crew members working with uh, filmmakers for their entire lives, you know, because of the yeah. trust that's formed and the bonds and the safety that's, that is built. You know what I mean? For sure. I, and uh, when I first started, uh, I was producing a project for Fujifilm. So I was that outsider coming in. And when talking to the Fujifilm team and Victor, I, I was that untrusting person at first. And every single person I told about like, hey, this is my new job. And they'd be like, wait, what? That doesn't happen. There has to be What's like a catch? catch. What's the catch? Yeah. Um, and <laughs> I, yeah. And after working a year and a half with them now, um, now, now I'm that person being like, there is no catch. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's good. It's good to hear it. It's good to hear it from the source. I'm happy that you guys are on the show talking about that. All right. So you, uh, you go through the process of, uh, of helping the, the creatives understand the gravity and the, the, the rules that need to be played within based upon the budget and the restrictions and everything else, which is, mm -hmm. you know, healthy filmmaking. Um, and then, uh, Justin, you get involved when they start asking for some crazy tech. Like, how how how's your involvement? <laughs> Justin's on speed dial. I feel like at all times. <laughs> yeah. well, I've definitely I mean, been on ninety minute calls with Justin. Of just we're like, this, this camera won't work. This <laughs> won't work. What do we do? <laughs> I mean, I get on calls sometimes a bit earlier in the process when trying to figure out what gear we're going to use or what gear we might need. Mm -hmm. and trying to figure out how do we problem solve some of those issues and you know how do we work around things if it's a, a motion project do we need to you know source a lens from another manufacturer because we don't make something like it for a mm -hmm. cinema camera mm -hmm. right yeah. um someone wants to shoot anamorphic yeah, we don't make anything anamorphic. So how do we work around some of those things? So I get pulled into a lot of those questions. Hey, what's this camera capable of? Okay. Can it do, you know, 4K 60? Can it produce, you know, what what's it doing? What kind of frame rate? How are we storing files? Um, so there's lots of different aspects there. And then, you know, that's the beginning. And then when you get on set and on location, it's, hey, how do I make this thing do this? Yeah. So I kind of run the gamut there of helping sort of guide the process early on about what gear and what things we might need and just what the potentials are of the gear. And then while we're on set, you know, keeping the wheels on everything and making it work and being the, hey, how do I get this thing to do this? And being able to jump in on set or on a project and, and make it work for them. Yeah, because you guys, you guys are working with a lot of new tech, which... Uh, yeah. I feel like uh, needs that, right? So you, the, especially like the camera to cloud stuff, not only is that, uh, I mean, it's been around for a little bit, but it's a b brand new tech as far as like productions are concerned. And then it really sort of changes the whole, uh, the whole step-by-step -step process that you would normally take for something like that. Like I've shot camera to cloud stuff before and it's mind blowing if you do it the right way. Like we did a commercial... And I was shooting on set and we, I did a whole day where I was directing on set, but then I had to also edit back at the hotel and I had my other unit back on location and I was just calling them going, shoot me another shot of those dragon eggs. And it would literally load up into my editor with the client right there. And I was able to uh, turn around and edit, which normally would have taken a week in about, you know, 12 hours, 12 and a half hours. So 
uh, that technology is really crazy. I, I, I think that it's important, Justin, that someone like you is there to tell them what the, what the potentials of it could be because it just feels like, it feels like uh, magic <laughs> to a certain extent, you know? Yeah, and sometimes it's just showing them what it can do. Being able to show them on their cell phone. Here's the footage uploaded already. Um, but some days it's the it's the act of making all these things work. Yeah. Right. Uh, shooting a project in rural Maine up here. Right. You don't have you've got might not have Wi-Fi. Yeah. So having to use bonded cellular or using some other ways to connect, I feel like sometimes my my life is spent troubleshooting uh, internet connections. <laughs> story of our lives right now <laughs> i believe that and you know what's funny too is i got into this conversation as a sidebar i got into this conversation with uh somebody about sound mixers on set and how uh some uh, a guy was asking me like how can i get in to be a sound mixer do i go out and i buy all this equipment do i buy all this gear and is that the best way to get into it and i said ah dude honestly i think you should go out and be an assistant i think you should be working with these people for a long period of time. I said, because your value as a sound mixer isn't the gear that you own. It's the troubleshooting that you have, the, the ability that you have to troubleshoot the stuff. Because specifically with sound gear, it doesn't matter how much you spend on it or how expensive that is. It will automatically go down at one point in time or there'll be some sort of like frequency that is interfering. And so uh, the, the beauty and the power behind technicians on set isn't the fact that they own the gear and that they could just unpack the gear and use it. It's the troubleshooting and it's, it's the ability to troubleshoot under high stress and to keep the stressful people around you at bay and keep them comfortable while you may be, you know, shitting bricks yourself. <laughs> right. Uh, absolutely. Right. That's, I would say happens more than once. It's uh my, my wife would refer to that as swan theory, right? <laughs> Maintaining that, you know, that, that cool, calm demeanor on the uh, surface, you know, like a swan, a swan swimming on a lake. You know, it looks beautiful and graceful on the surface. If you could take an underwater camera and go underneath, you'd see that they're paddling like mad. <laughs> and it's that like, you know, so keeping that nice, calm, you know, oh, everything's fine. And instead things are catching on fire and, you know, not working. <laughs> Which I, believe me, as a director, I completely appreciate. <laughs> I completely appreciate that. Yeah. Don't tell me it's on fire, please. <laughs> um, well, it's, it's very cool, man. And, and, and look, I, I've had relationships with uh, other manufacturers. I have relationships with other manufacturers. I work with other people all the time. Um, and, you know, I think I can count on a half a hand how many companies are doing what you guys are doing and you guys are the top you're the first count as far as you know the, this love and attention to the creatives that you have and this understanding i think it's genius that you all are coming on this staff with the experience that you have because walking in with those insecurities and walking in with that sort of like uh, second guessing doubt that it seems like you had like what is what are you guys doing this for uh, that makes it so good for us as creatives because you're, you're a buffer between us and what normally would be uh, you know a, a manufacturer company where you know the owner shows up in his, his new Lamborghini you know and you're like 
this fucking guy. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's it's nice. It's nice to uh, to hear that you guys are are acting that way over there. You know, it's fun. It keeps us on our toes <laughs> all times. There's never never two days that are the same. <laughs> um, so I like so I've talked with so many of these filmmakers, and it's been interesting having the conversation about um, the production and the support that they get from you guys, which we've talked a lot about. And then uh, with many of them, I've been talking uh, about what the future of the film is and like, or the project that they do is. And uh, more than not, most of the people that I'm talking to, it's like festival submissions and that, that, Mm -hmm. uh, and what is the arrangement that you have with the filmmakers? The filmmakers still own their content that you guys are working with. Like what is the arrangement between them? Yeah, so I think um, it's an interesting marketing tactic, right? So when I describe, when we're kind of pitching this process to them of, okay, we're going to fund your film, now what? Um, and, And why we're doing it. So I always tell them, you know, we, our marketing is a making of documentary. Mm -hmm. And so not only does like Verena find the stories and I help produce those projects, but we also produce documentaries that go along with the projects. It's like Inception. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You make a film about you making a film. Yeah. So there's a whole different crew and aspect that we also have to herd um, as well. Um, at the same exact time. So it's basically, you know, we have to make this making of documentary. Mm -hmm. We have to obviously fund a project for them to actually film something, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So they get their project funded. They own it. We license it. So they can go out to other distribution companies that they want. They can go to a streaming service. They can they can do whatever they want with the film and the film we take the, we ask for a trailer and the full film. So we get the trailer mm-hmm. and that's what we use while they're in festivals. So they can go through a full festival uh, run mm-hmm. and then they get to own it at the end. Like obviously mm-hmm. um, so we have the documentary of the making of, and then we have the trailer that goes alongside it. Um, and that's what we license and take and then once they're done with film festivals then you know we can go to our different events and screen their films and promote it and do our own screenings and uh you know have have them invite their family and friends um to a private screening or whatever you know we we help them with that and uh, it's a really great way and most of the time when we say oh yeah you own it we license it. They're like, wait, what? <laughs> no, it's great. It's great. I mean, and, and talk about like the ultimate way to build trust is, is that, you know, it's the ability to say to that person, like you still own it. And it's, that's a hard thing in, in our business, right? Especially in video, but also in photography these days where, you know, you're talking about licensing and paying licensing for things and, and how uh, predatory the industry has been towards photographers and it's it's almost impossible to have a career as a photographer these days because of how much folks don't pay licensing how much folks don't actually pay the creatives for their per image cost and if you're a photographer you're out there shooting 700 images in a day and you're delivering Mm -hmm. 700 images for like a thousand bucks to a client it's just like the 
the preying on the imposter syndrome that so many artists have that businesses have done for so long right now has decimated that industry because it's incredibly difficult to be a, a working photographer today because of it, you know? So it's, it's nice to hear that you guys have that respect and, you know, uh, that would normally be a red flag for me, you know? <laughs> I think, I think, a it, I think it's a, a flag for a lot of creatives and because we have to convince them <laughs> they get to keep it. <laughs> once again, we're just a bunch of wounded animals <laughs> we're just wandering around. Is this one going to bite me? What, how much of its, how much of my leg are you going to take today? Yeah. 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 It's, it's very true. It's very true. Um, well, I, I think love- it's, it's exciting to see them as a lot of those films. Um, it is a lot of first time directors or second or third time directors, but, but it's their first time maybe working with a brand and we get, we stay in touch with them. And they're there. We say like, once you're in the, the door of Fuji film is like, as long as we all get along, like you're in the family. So yeah. we watch them as they grow and we've seen creatives like start get bigger jobs after this and they go on to make something even cooler. And I think it's, it's fun to get to be at the beginning of that journey for them. And I realized that their journey started much earlier before they got to us, but kind of the beginning of a new chapter for them and get to see it launch them forward. Well, it's nice, man. Like, because, you know, I, I've been directing for what, 20 something years now. And so like, yeah, you, you don't, you That's don't, <laughs> you, you, but you don't see the equivalent of time. You know what I mean? Just because I've been directing yeah. for 20 something years doesn't mean that I'm directing every week. It doesn't mean that because I've had this amount of time, uh, on set, that means I get to work more than someone that has only been doing it for five years. There, there, there's no stability in it. And the thing that's crazy about our work is it doesn't matter how good we are. It doesn't matter what we've done. It's all about what we did last. And it's all about what you're doing next. And um, one of the hardest parts about this business is, is, is to try to continue to create. And you have to be creating consistently. And uh, Oftentimes, it's uh, creative blocks that are keeping you from creating, but more than not, it's it's financing, and it's it's having the ability to tell stories at the level that you want to tell stories um, that you can also afford to pay rent and uh, not be you know kicked out of your apartment or your house because the fucking studios continue to to, to strangle us out, and so it's it's wonderful to know that there are options out there for for filmmakers. Um, to continue to create and to form a, a solid bond with a company that continues to want to see their work. And, and it's, it's a dream come true for a lot of filmmakers, myself included. You know what I mean? <laughs> Mike, send me a pitch. Yeah. <laughs> I, soon. <laughs> uh, soon. Uh, as soon as I smarten up and I stop dumping all my own cash into my stuff. Yeah, sure. Sure. Um, but um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's great to hear. And and I know those of you listening to the show, it sounds like I'm beating a dead horse by, by showering compliments on this. You don't hear me do this with other companies, man. It, it's, it's, it's weird. It's rare. It's strange. Um, and I don't think I would have believed it if I hadn't met Victor first. And if, if him and I hadn't had the connection that we did first, and if I had heard this, say if someone had told me that you guys were doing this, I'd go, what's the fucking catch? Like, where's the, where's the snag? Like, uh, yeah. how are they going to chew our licensing away or uh, my, what's going to happen? 
Um, but it's, it's just nice to hear that that doesn't happen. <laughs> I think I've said that like five times in the show. <laughs> can you tell how wounded <laughs> one can be? All right. So let's pivot here. We've been doing this. We're, we're, we're hitting our, our, uh, our point. But um, what are you guys – so how many projects are you currently working on right now? Can you say that oh, on God. the show? Can, can we say that? Um, oh, Jackie. <laughs> I'm like, I'm buried under a mountain of pitches at the moment for upcoming stuff. So, I yeah, I'm thinking, um, like when this comes out, uh, we would have 12 produced, <laughs> like it, like since March, uh, oh, yeah. we produced two short films, uh-huh. uh, four, um, in production, mm-hmm. uh, actually three short films, um, four more in production and um, like 10 photo projects. It's crazy. Well, and then the film, we do films with each of those photo projects and those, so add those films to there. We're doing the the whole film of a film. (laughs) Yeah. And then the docu, what we call the Fuji film documentary team. Um, It's crazy. So double double that. Um, And then what we're also doing, we're, you know, our, documentary teams that go out we're we're really close to them obviously we we keep the same people and we also a lot of the times take the you know dps or directors from the launch films and say hey do you want to join our documentary team now um, <laughs> that's cool that's cool <laughs> now that you know we have formed that relationship so we're growing our team and we want to give those directors um opportunities as well so for film festivals so a lot of our our documentary work we've been like you know we go to all these film festivals and they're up to par if not better than you know some of the films that we've seen and so we wanted to give them an opportunity so we're re-editing those projects and making them more film festival friendly um and taking the marketing of it all um so then they get their opportunity as well so then dub- double those. That's crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> and we're almost like creating um, completely new films. Yeah. By the end of the year, we'll be definitely in the mid-20s with films right. that, mm-hmm. that we've exported. Well, I'm going yeah. to make a prediction here. Well, when does the uh, Fujifilm streaming service start? <laughs> I know. I know. Joe, Victor keeps joking about that. Um, yeah. Because yeah. there's so we're much... Yeah, we feel like we need to figure out some type of distribution plan because obviously you know, you're listening well, to this. Hit us up. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Please hit us up. Yeah. Um, yeah we want to get obviously these films in front of people's eyes. We don't want it just to be like, you know, just for one launch and have like a one month lifespan. Yeah. We want, and we want to also help the creators as well make those connections with those distributors. So mm-hmm. then they can get something out of it as well, maybe profit um, from it. So we, we want to make those connections and that's the next big goal for us. Yeah, that's great. It's how they get these in front, of, in front of eyes once they're out of the film festival circuit. Well, I mean, it sounds like uh, you guys are doing the right thing, right? I mean, our industry is going to be uh, starving for content in the next few months. So there's, yeah. there's, there's going to be a big need for that stuff soon. Um, Really cool. Well, I mean, I, 
I guess the final thing, and I don't even know if we're allowed to talk about this stuff. Justin, I'll put you on the spot in an awkward way. I hear there's all sorts of really cool new gear coming out. Are we allowed to talk about anything? I figured I'd try to get, I'd, I'd try to sneak that in there. Nothing in there silent. <laughs> I'm like, Michael, you want NDA? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Audience on NDA. Yeah, <laughs> everybody has signed the form. The entire audience has signed it. No one will know about this. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I'm excited for the new, the 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 potential for new stuff that you guys are doing. I've heard rumblings. I haven't heard anything, but I've heard rumblings of things, and so There's lots of rumblings. <laughs> I've heard that it's going to be kind of interesting and cool and fun. So we'll see. We'll see. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Yeah, I mean, and gear and in content wise, and like, stay tuned for the next year. <laughs> we've got yeah. we've got a lot of stuff coming out, a lot of fun stuff that we're kind of in the story finding phase for right now, and quickly headed into pre production. But we're kind of taking content to another level, so we're excited about where it's headed. Well, yeah, and so the audience knows I've already, and these are all recorded and going to be released at different times and weird places. I've already had a bunch of interviews with a lot of the filmmakers that you guys have worked with, and I've heard about the projects, and a lot of them are really cool and really interesting and really great, great creatives. Um, and so if those of you who listen to the show, when things come out, we'll try to update you. We'll try to let you know when they come out. Are you guys, do you guys put everything up in one place? Have you guys figured out if you're going to do like a website that has everything on it or do you have that? And I just don't know. Yeah, we do have that. So um, there's our YouTube, which you can go to, to find kind of all the films that mm -hmm. we've, we've got there. But we also have Create Forever, which is, if you go to like, it's fujifilm-x.com mm -hmm. and then backslash Create Forever. We can send you a link to put in the notes, but that's really our our hub for community stories. So you've got photo projects in there, film projects in there, and we interview the creators. We hear like their perspective, their why. That's also where we host their making of documentaries that we create, their trailers, their photo projects. Um, so that's one of the main hubs. The other one we have then is Exposure Center, which is much more of like the education front. So mm -hmm. we mm -hmm. create content of like, here's this cool thing that we made with this camera, but also here's how they made it. And let's go into the tech behind it. And so that's more of Exposure Center. Um, so between those two, you can find a lot of stories where you go to YouTube and find the stories there and then it'll take you back to <laughs> create forever. So, and that's cool. also if I know probably the hot question is, okay, well, how do we get our stories in front of you? Um, <laughs> and as much as I'd love to give my email address out to everyone, I'm going to tell them to go to create forever. <laughs> as if you go to the, the get involved tab, there's a place that you can, can send us your idea. And, and I, have access to those so uh, I this is now the moment that your email gets so bloated oh, this is now the yeah. moment the that yeah. all of the marketing campaign and pushing them it's now gonna happen uh because i can hear them all photographers and filmmakers going i want to make something yes good you put together something great and here's here's advice that i'll give you folks as myself not as fujifilm before you put, before you send something in, work really hard on it. Put it together. Yeah. Come up with a solid idea. Share it with your friends. Share it with your family. Share it with people that you trust. Have them give you feedback. Have them tell you it sucks. Go through the process of editing that stuff and putting it together because that will help your chances 
of actually having it go through. Pitch it to your mail person. Pitch it to your grocery person. Like, (laughs) see if they have a reaction before it comes to our inbox. Not that y'all have bad ideas. There's not really ever a bad idea, but there's definitely less developed ideas. Yes, yes, yes. Get Mm -hmm. feedback before you send it. And then also do your research on our brand. I, I teach classes on how to pitch to a brand. And that's like my one major feedback is like, it drives me nuts when people send me a pitch and they've misspelled Fujifilm. It's not two words. It's one word. (laughs) It's Fujifilm. (laughs) Like do get to know just in the same way that you would want to get to know someone you're going like on a date with you're dating our brand. So get to know us and make sure that the story is a good fit for us um, before you send it to us. And I can go on. I've got quite the list, but I'd love to hear your stories. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right. Well, you know, I, I think we're sort of hitting that point. Justin, I feel like you've been in the uh, in the back quite a bit here because I haven't given you much time on film tech stuff. Um, the parakeets took them. Yeah. Are you still there, Justin? I'm still here. I haven't fallen asleep yet or anything. Um, no, it's, you know, this, this to me is, is a lot of fun. And I love doing these kind of things. And I love I love listening and, you know, it's the team that we have and we've really put together this amazing group of people and we all sort of just know how to pick up the football for each other and carry it forward and work together. And, you know, Verena needs something tech. She calls me. I need something, you know, question about a, a story. I call, talk to Verena. Jackie is the quarterback when it comes to running all these projects. And, you know, we really just work together like a well-oiled machine. That's great. It's great. to. Yeah. Um, well, I'm, I'm happy that everybody gets to meet you. Um, and uh, thank you, each of you, for being on the show. And I think we did pretty good wrangling three guests at the same time. And three guests, all the animals. Yeah. We made it. Yeah, we made it, man. Thank you, everybody, for being on the show. I much appreciate it. And thank you for continuing to support our show. Uh, and sending us great filmmakers. And um, yeah, I guess that's it. Thanks, guys. Awesome. Thanks, Mike. Bye. Okay, done. In the can. Not bad. Not bad at all. We made it through. Um, I know I gushed a lot in that show uh, because... I just, you know, it's hard for your boy to keep in what he's emotionally feeling when he's on the microphone. And uh, when I'm talking to the people that work, because these folks work incredibly hard. Their jobs are very difficult. And I think what we didn't talk about on the show, and I'm sure it's something that they would never admit to, is that most companies don't do this because it's a lot of fucking work. It's a lot of work. Right? Like oftentimes people get corporate jobs because it's a cushy gig. You go in there, you follow the rules, you have a marketing budget, you hire a marketing form, you just sort of send the stuff out. Maybe you get a couple of influencers to do some posts for you, send them some gear, right? That's that's what everybody else does. And I talk to these companies all the time. And the, the unimaginative world that is the promotions and the marketing department for companies is ridiculous right? What's the fastest low buck way for us to make as much as possible? Cause we got a warehouse full of this shit and we got to sell it. And, uh, to not do that is exhausting. It takes so much time and energy, so much work. I mean, 
I know Victor. I've known Victor for a while now. For me to get him on the phone, it's very difficult, right? Because he's just filtering through these things and these relationships and forming solid bonds. And But he texts me back. He always does. It may take a day or two, but he's like, what's going on? How's it going? And he's very, like, he's a friend. He's a friend. And so I'm putting this out there. Not just to you filmmakers, right? Because I know a lot of you now are going to go, I, I want to work with Fujifilm. You should try. See if you can make it work. Um, but I'm putting this out there to all the other manufacturers and the other folks that listen to the show. And I wanted to sort of break it down and talk about what each person does because you should have these departments at your companies. This shouldn't be the only company doing this. There should be a lot more competition out there with companies that are trying to support filmmakers and support storytellers better than the other company. I'd much rather have that be the battle. Because, let's be honest, gear's catching up. A lot of these cameras kind of all do the same thing. And I know it's a negative thing for me to say on a show like this, but it's true. It, it, it hits a point with a lot of equipment, whether you're talking about lights, you're talking about sound gear, a lot of these manufacturers, you've hit sort of a plateau where they kind of all do the same thing. They're just at different price points. And oftentimes it's like the shell and the plastic's better on the outside than this one. And the buttons are better on the outside than this one. And the menu system is a little bit better on this one. But they're all kind of the fucking same, right? So what is going to differentiate you as a manufacturer from the other guy that's selling kind of the same stuff, the same LED lights from some, from, from some sort of China retailer, right? It's how you're engaging with the creatives. It's just it's it's establishing a relationship and a support system with these creatives. It's giving back to the folks that are making you wealthy. I know it goes against everything that you were taught in school. I know it goes against everything that is in the business world right now. And this is something that we're continuously fighting. If you support the storytellers and you become genuine friends with these people, friendships last a lot longer than a post on social media than a commercial does friends last longer god forbid you start to understand the plight the struggles the process of making the stuff that you're supporting and look puget systems does the same thing that fujifilm does I'm going to say that right now. That's why we're in bed together. Puget Systems financed my short. There are another company out there that does this thing. This is catching on. This should be something that's happening. Because as these filmmakers start to understand what a waste of fucking money it is to go blow $90,000 on a college career, right? Because no one asks for a college resume in our field. And as we try to learn and interact and push our way through things, it's important for companies like you to be there to help filmmakers learn. And you're going to get something out of it. Shoot behind the scenes. Do stuff. You're going to get marketing. And it's the same budget that you would be feeding to some sort of ad agency. And in between, between you and the creatives. Got a lot of negative things to say about those in-betweeners. They're pocketing all that cash and then they're filtering out like as little as possible to the people that actually are making things. Skip past those folks. Interact directly with the creatives. Understand the creatives. Fuel them. And 
the product of that, the byproduct of that will be a relationship and a solid showcasing of your, not only your equipment and your gear, but yourselves as human beings. And that, as we push through this fucking strike, that's going to be more important than anything else. So I'm saying this to you, those brands, those creatives out there, those folks that are listening in to to understand what Fujifilm is doing. This is what they're doing. Okay, enough of the rants. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the show. It's much appreciated. Uh, Lots of good stuff on the way. Your boy is making his way through and booking new guests. Lots of cool new Fujifilm Creator Series coming. You'll be able to hear what we were hinting at on this show with about six or seven episodes that are going to be rolling out through January. Okay? Um, That's it, man. And before I go, just do me this favor. If you enjoy it, if you like the show, tell two friends about it. All right? That's it. I'll let you go. Thanks for listening. And as always, I'll see you next Tuesday.